Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that basically uses music to trick our guests into telling us things about themselves, revealing things about themselves that normal old radio interviewing just doesn't normally do. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Doug McGregor. Doug's been a cartoonist for more than 40 years now and got his professional start drawing editorial cartoons for the Norwich Bulletin in eastern Connecticut in 1980. He moved to Florida in 1988 and drew cartoons for the news press in Fort Myers until 2011. He's also a graphic designer, a visual artist, and children's book author and illustrator. He also teaches cartooning and creativity to what he describes as the young and the young at heart. These days he works for Lee Health as their arts and health care coordinator, using art and music to help patients. He's also in a seven-piece band that plays mostly 60s and 70s tunes. I'm sure we'll get to that. I grew up in Fort Myers and so spent literally decades chuckling at or sometimes marveling at Doug's cartoons in the paper. As I told him once, his cartoons are to me a visual analog of the city of Fort Myers itself each evoking the other somehow. I got to know him a bit during my time at the Alliance for the Arts, and having him here is a real treat for me, and I'm sure it'll be the same for you as well. So let's get right to his song stories. Hey there, Doug McGregor. It's good to be with you, Mike. It's really good to be with you. Um, What's the name of your all's band? Well, we call ourselves the Rosada Project uh, uh, for the reason that I live on Rosada. Right, right. And uh, we have a project of all sorts. We have different (laughs) combinations of our seven band and uh, we play out different places, and we enjoy ourselves a lot. We do benefits, and mm-hmm. mostly just for our own entertainment, because we all work. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We it's a way to blow off steam. Yeah, blow off steam, get off the stress, and just enjoy all the music that we loved when we were growing up. And uh, and you play harmonica. I do, and sing. Yeah. Okay, we'll get our, we'll get you, uh, and we'll get that harmonica yeah. out of your pocket before the end of this hour. I hope. Um, uh, do you guys play any originals, or is it just you know you guys jam jam band of your on favorite that. things? Yeah. This oh, you really? You're summer, writing stuff. Yeah, we're that's our summer project. Get uh, get some of those originals out. I know everybody has them in their head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and you you make music otherwise too, right? I do. You, yeah. You, you had a Christmas album at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's mostly just taking good old karaoke tracks and harmonizing to myself. You know, it's <laughs> kind of like that. But yeah, I've written songs before. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, where does art? Uh, you know, your art and healthcare thing. Where does music fit into that? Is that oh part of? Gosh. Is that a big aspect of it? Is that a small aspect of it? Yeah. No. Today uh, we have in the atrium uh, a couple different entertainers. They're coming in to sing. We have a cello player coming in that's a student. Okay. So we use music to calm our patients, calm our families that are there. As you know, it's a it's a wonderful tool. Oh yeah. It brings uh, memories back for people and also calms them in so many different ways. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, we've we've seen it here. Yeah. And we've seen it on the movies now and things like that. That uh, Alive Inside movie. Did oh you, my Do you remember heavens. that one? That is yeah. profoundly great. Yeah, dude. that's kind of like what we get to tap into here. Yeah. And it's amazing, and it's it really and is. we've had many people tell us that this is therapeutic. So hopefully you get a little of that yourself. Oh my heavens! Yeah. So what was the musical background of your childhood, and, and was mm. that in Connecticut? No, actually in upstate New York, in Binghamton, New York. Okay. Uh, my dad, uh, God rest his soul, he's been passed now almost four years. He was a classical musician, a vocalist. Oh. Went to uh, Syracuse University and, and uh, learned uh, to sing. He grew up singing. So singing was in the family for many, many years. My grandmother played piano, but boy, growing up around the house, my dad would have 
either singing himself all the songs from Broadway or whatever it was, but more importantly, the classical music, choral music, uh, and he would have the stereo going, and hmm. especially around Christmas time. Yeah. He would have the, you know, Hallelujah Chorus on and the Messiah. The spinning records. Oh, yeah. Well, he was, hey, you know, he was um, a choir director for 60 years. Well, so 60 years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did all kinds of church choirs. and So music was, you were in a musical family growing uh, up. Yeah. So yeah. When, when, uh, when, when did you pick up a mu- an instrument? Was that something that was sort of, you know, you were encouraged to do? Well, yeah. I mean, God love him. He wanted me to be a violinist. So ah. at second grade, I struggled with that. But uh, Didn't you know, stick? Didn't stick. I did three <laughs> years of that and gave that up. And uh you know, he wanted me to perform. So the thing he did when he was a kid, you know, it was a thing to to have family members over on a Sunday and perform in the living room or the mm. parlor. That was a thing in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where he grew up. So he kind of wanted to have that same thing going on when I was growing up. So get the violin out and play for everybody. So, you know, that's sort of that shyness, uh, working that out with early in my life. It didn't work out so well. So, so I you had kinda, performance shyness. Yeah, oh, yeah, early in my life. So... You know, it was funny because just after I left the violin, I decided, you know, wow, I can draw, you know, and that came out of me. So the artistic ability came out in one way. Do you remember that sort of that moment when when you noticed somehow? Was it one of those like in the paper where, you know, draw the pirate and suddenly you could draw the pirate or what was it? Well, my folks sent me off to art class and uh, I took off real well with drawing trees and drawing anything I could see that was in front of me. I could draw pretty Hmm. pretty good too. And the teacher's always in school and you're in second, third grade. Doug, you're the one who draws the maps. Right. You know, (laughs) you can look at a shape of of something and draw it. So I did as a young kid. So um, thank goodness for uh, going to art classes and then taking a lot more serious as we got into school. Hmm. You know, in high school, I had a lot of art in school. Hmm. So that took off. If you – do you – I don't know. Do you still have any of your drawings from when you were a kid? I mean do they look – because you have a very distinct visual style. Was that something that was sort of always there a little bit or is that something that you kind of developed over your life? It developed, yeah. I I would have to say if there's any influences, Dr. Seuss and Mm -hmm. his characters are always in my head. You know, I loved Dr. Seuss growing up as a kid. So um, I took on that little bit of that style, I could say, when I was in high school and particularly when I was in college. And, and yeah. you went – did you study art in high school like as a – you know, did you go to an art, artsy school or did you just, you know, go to a normal high school and they happen to have a decent art teacher or what? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, no, it was a public school, Shenango Valley High School. I just got together with 10 of my high school buddies this past weekend. So we were reminiscing about teachers and such. But no, it was just regular public school hmm. and – I was able my senior year, get this, so they put me in math class, accelerated because I was fairly decent in math. Well, that didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 40 in one of my quizzes and I got I got petrified about it. I go, oh, yeah, well, this is great. I'm going to go up and talk to my guidance counselor. What do I need to be in math class my senior year? I'm going to be an artist. Yeah. So she said, no, 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 you get back in that art class. So from homeroom right to lunch, I stayed in the art room. So when the bell rang, I stayed in my seat. Painted in the corner. Wow. My art teacher was great to me, and uh, developed a portfolio because I knew I need to, you know, a portfolio to get into college. Uh-huh. So that's what I worked on. Hmm. So, and then you went to college where? Syracuse University. Got in there. Art, art program. Yeah. So you were on that track. I mean, were you on a track to like fine arts, or were you on a track to you know political and social cartoons like you wound up doing? No, you know, it's a really 
cool question because I know we're going to get into the music portion of it, but I wanted to be the next Roger Dean. Now, he was the guy who did the illustrations for the Yes albums. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to do inside covers and, and covers of albums. I could see that. You know? Yeah. The thing is, though, it was 1975 that I graduated high school, so that's just about when 8-tracks were starting to come in, you know, and then that whole album concept was starting to fade. So timing wasn't all that good for that. But huh. I did study um, illustration for a lot of the album covers that I wanted to produce. And I did them as student projects, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, Wouldn't cool. it be fun to have those? Oh, my heavens, yeah. <laughs> oh, I still collect the album Did covers. you ever do any – have you done any uh, album art? You know, it I seems did. like over the years you've probably been presented yeah. with that opportunity. Well, actually, my senior year in high school, I did a triple album cover for uh, one of my projects. It was a portfolio piece to get into Syracuse, and it was real fun to do. Do you remember the uh, the first music you owned was? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, the Beatle albums, for sure. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough. My, I have. Um, what'd your What'd your folks think of the Beatles? Did that well, mesh my, with what your dad was digging? My dad wasn't digging the Beatles, <laughs> and, and I was like really disappointed because you know they were just the hit of every hit, you know, and to study them over the years and see how they progress as a band. But he did get into them later on. He started to see them change mm-hmm. from those simple chords to those sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Once they got yeah. started showing off some musicianship, then, yeah. then that caught his attention. Once they got in the studio and stopped touring, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Do you remember the first time you published a drawing? Oh, yeah. It would have been in college um, yeah. in the um, student newspaper. Yeah. I did uh, – Remember what, kind of what, it, what it said or what it what it represented? Well, yeah, well, actually, it was sports cartoon. It was uh, Syracuse had a mascot at the time that was uh, a Native American Indian, and um, then we changed from that to a gladiator. Now we have a different one altogether. But um, I would put uh, any of our mascots up against the the team that we were playing that weekend for the football game. So it was like the Mar- Maryland Terrapins. I'd make turtle soup out of them or something from right. our mascot. <laughs> it was fun to, to come up with something different every week. We will get to the song stories here in sure. one more question, but I sure. just have to ask, um, you know, it's one thing to be able to draw. It's, a, it's another thing to be able to kind of look at the world and have a, an opinion or, or some sort of criticism or something you want to try to enlighten. But mm. it's another thing to do both of those things. And that's what mm. you did or do. I mean, where did that side of your brain come in? Oh. You know what I mean? Or is that just sort of who you are, your sense of humor, your... Your, that's a great question. I, I have to say that it's a combination of good teachers along the way, paying attention to the news, and then trying to see the big picture on what's happening and, and having a passionate uh, comment to make about what you think right. is right or wrong. Right. Because um, you got you put it on paper. You're, it, yeah. There it is. And it's in a way that you don't have to read. You yeah. can just look at it for three seconds and know where you're coming from. That's that 10-second TV box in the newspaper. You have, you yeah. get, if you get to someone in t- less than 10 seconds with your opinion, then that's your accomplishment is that. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. But, yeah, I, I wanted to graduate from Syracuse and have a salary position because a lot of my friends were going to New York and being freelance artists, making you know just a little bit one week and maybe several th- hundreds or thousands the next week so it wasn't consistent i wanted a more of a salary position so one day i took a book out of the library and i always enjoyed looking at the editorial cartoons growing up as a kid at the breakfast table i was a newspaper boy i'd wake up and t- deliver the papers and then i'd go out sit back down at the breakfast table and and inevitably there'd be a a herblock cartoon in the paper, which I loved because it was labeled and you could understand what was going on. And we had those history tests in high school and the Regents exams. 
We had to take a test and do an essay on on an editorial cartoon and hmm. explain what was in the. So my exposure to editorial cartoon started actually before college, and then got to do some after I graduated. Hmm. Yeah, Pretty but it's uh, it's a lot of it is just uh, paying attention to what's going on in the news and having a passionate uh, opinion about it, and then. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I said in the opening, man, you yeah. you, know, you you pumped them out. That, oh, you know, gosh, I, I yeah. pick up the paper and, and there you were all the time. So It was a, a real blessing to be able to do that after many years. Absolutely. Um, all yeah. right. Well, let's kind of get yeah. into your first song or your sure. first story or what is it? Why yeah. is it? How would you like to set it up? Well, um, this is a piece from uh, Foray's Requiem. Actually, it's a tribute to my dad because growing up with choral music around the house, he, he exposed me to some of the best composers. When I was a kid uh, in grade school, I knew all the composers because he made sure that you know when he played them on the record player, who were they and what, so was, what pieces was, they was did. Being, you were being taught. Yeah. 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 So That's real, great. Real fortunate. So and he performed uh, this piece a lot in his choirs over the years, and it's called uh, "In Paradisum," and it's the last movement. It's the seventh movement in the in the Foray Requiem. And you know, in a personal note, my dad loved this piece probably more than anything he ever did. So when he was passing and, and he was in the hospital, he said, "Make sure you play this at my, you know, memorial service." So we did. And uh, his last ten days, I had the headphones in his uh, ears. Mm playing his favorite music. So I was actually doing my job at Arts and Healthcare with my dad in a kind of a hospice uh, setting. So he went out great, you know, with, a, with the wonderful music he grew up as a kid and all the way through his career as a choral director. So this piece kind of touches it all, I think. It's beautiful. So it's different. It's not rock and roll. It's uh, oh, that's okay. it's classical. We, uh, we have uh, broad horizons here yeah. on Three Song Stories. Um, when was the last time you listened to it? Oh, Probably a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, I carry all different kinds of music in my car and in in, uh, in my house, so it came on randomly, and I go, oh, there you go, one, one for my dad. All right. Yeah. Well, let's listen to it. This is uh, In Paradisum, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, songs can take you back to different times and places, mm-hmm. many more than one. Like, where were you during that? Oh, I was always at a concert of his, you know, because he always performed it. Uh, well, not always, but when he did, it was always special. The Fari Requiem to me was, he considers it one of the best written choral pieces um, ever. So when he's done so many of them, and I respect whatever he had to say as far as who was the best. But real quick, I want to tell you a real quick story. We sure. got to go to uh, Washington one day and with family and uh, – he loved Lincoln. Went to Lincoln Memorial, and we're up the steps. We look at Lincoln. He turns to me. He looks at uh, Gettysburg Address. He goes, "Doug, do you know that the Gettysburg Address has never been put in, put to music?" And I said, "No, I did not know that." He said, "Well, I'm going to make that happen." So, um, you know, you can imagine a 60-year career, and he started the Charlotte Corral, and they're still together today. And as a, a parting gift to my dad and respect for what he's done over the years, they commissioned Mark Hayes, uh, one of great composer, choral composers, to write music in the score for the Gettysburg Address. Really? Yeah. And it was um, – world premiere was in Port Charlotte to be able to hear my dad hear that performed for him. And it was special because he pulled it off. I mean he, he said he was going to do it and he did yeah. it. 
and uh, it brings chills. He want, but his big gift was to make sure that kids not only learned about the Civil War, understood the Gettysburg Address, but maybe through music uh, they could understand it even better. So that's a pledge he tried to make. We're we're seeing where that could go, but I'm sure Mark Case, if he's listening, he just he was a very proud man that day and be able to put that together for my dad. How long was the arc from him telling you that that was going to mm. happen to when it happened? Wow, that's a good question. I'd say about three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do remember standing there in the Lincoln Memorial looking up at that wall all inscribed and then hearing the music uh, put to – wow. It was, well, maybe someday there will be a choral group yeah. standing in front of it with you in the audience. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let's well, make that happen. Yeah. World. <laughs> oh, that's something. But yeah, that, that was a real proud moment for our family and for anybody who knew my dad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's your dad's name? Bruce McGregor. Bruce. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so where does music fit into your life these days in terms of you mentioned you have things on your phone. I mean, are you high tech? Are you Bluetoothing your phone to your car? Or are you like, you know, Charlie White had, uh, you know, driving mm. around with a with a boom box plugged into the cigarette. Lighter. Well, that's about where I am with Charlie. Yeah. No, you know, it's funny. I have a studio at home uh, that I paint in and I put my vinyl albums on and they're 25 minutes at a time. I flipped a song over and paint and draw. You got so. a nice set, nice system, big speakers. You kind of, you know. No, it's the needle. Whatever the needle can stand, you know. <laughs> it's usually pretty – that's also high tech. It's pretty simple and uh, I keep it that way. I just like the old sound of a of a groove going with a needle. Um, uh, do you – what do you listen to on the car? Do you, are you uh, streaming or um, are you No, it's – I'm still low tech. I got a 15-year-old car so I got my CDs going. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> In fact, I drove up to Orlando just the other day to see high school buddies. I had the whole Beatle anthology with me so the, I listened to that. Hey, it so, works, right? Yeah, it does. Um, uh, do you collect vinyl and stuff? I mean is that part of your routine, you know, going like Joe's downtown or something and trying to add to your vinyl collection or do you got what you need? Kind of got what I need but, you know, I, I especially like, like I said earlier, the Roger Dean album covers and so Yes was always a big favorite of mine and, uh, um, you know, anything that was that was beautifully drawn or illustrated to to bring the music to people. You know, I looked through the Columbia House catalog as a kid and I had to have this album and that album. Because it, what it looked like. Because <laughs> never mind what I listened to it, you know. <laughs> but no, it was uh, – it was it was fun to collect them. And, you know, of course, when you put the headphones on, you're laying on your back, you're laying on the living room floor or whatever, and you're listening to the music so intently. And then you'd open up your eyes and you'd just look at the album and the, either the lyrics or, you know, whatever was inside, you'd capture yourself inside the song with the music and the art at the same time. So, mm. Yeah. We got a little taste of that. Yeah, I, I, I was born in '72, and okay. so my parents had sure. had records, but yeah, but I, you know, I could remember a few of them pretty vividly. But yeah, Absolutely. I kind of feel like I missed something. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Be not. I mean, I know vinyl is coming back. Yeah, um, a lot of the you know the in, indie bands are releasing their albums on vinyl now. I love that. Um, and yeah. so there is artwork on it. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, there's a resurgence of that. History repeats itself. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, so you um, you said when you were a kid, you had performance nervous. Yeah. At one point, did that go away? Because you must not have it now. So well, what, work through it. Work through yeah. it. Did you have to like consciously like I'm going to have to you know work this muscle till it's strong enough? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. More times. Uh, I remember the first time I played harmonica in a band, and it was with Danny Shepard. He's a local musician. He's a wonderful guy, and he was a neighbor at the time. He let me up at a at a wedding reception. Said, Dougie, I know you've been playing on harmonica. Get up here and play with me. And so. 
it was my first time, and I was just a nervous wreck, but I pulled it off. And once you get that— Do you know what song it was? Gosh, I don't even remember, but it was in the key of G or remember <laughs> that, and, you know. So I played it, and I played well, and I got through it, and uh, there was the time where I said, I can do this in mm-hmm. front of people, and thank God for Danny to let me give it a shot. So, yeah, and other musicians in town would let me to come up and play with them, and and I was down the city tearing a lot uh, late at night uh-huh. playing and stuff. Uh, so I got better at it, you know, and it was just – and then we formed a band and still been playing for about so, 20 So years. this band, uh, the Rosada Project, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, I just got to say real quick. I think I've told you this before. I grew up on Fort Myers Country Club playing golf. Oh, my heavens. I grew up on Hill Street right around the, on the oh, other side. Yeah. And Right there on the corner of you know the twelfth green and the thirteenth tee, there was this house that I was always like, I'm gonna live there someday because that's an awesome house. And then when I met you, I'm like, dude, you live in my house. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome anytime. We just had a backyard party not long ago. So yeah, so I just, yeah. I just had to throw that out there real quick. Oh, but um, but so that this band is the only band you've really ever been a part of. That wasn't actually no no. We, I was in Cracker Blues for quite a while. I remember yeah. that now. Okay, yeah. I thought that was the case. Yeah, we've had several different. Formations, but uh, that was fun. We played out all, all over the place when I was with them. So, huh. yeah. Um, uh, karaoke. You ever done yeah. karaoke? Well, a little bit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Probably don't have the fear. No, not get like over. You can sing. Yeah. That's no, all it takes, it right? It does. The more you practice, yeah, the yeah. better you get in front of people. And then, you know, you, you've got the skills to do it. And then, you know, anything else, you just practice. They say, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> One bite at a time. Right. Um, what about dancing? Oh, I'm not much of a dancer. I did a lot of that in college, but uh, I love to move whatever I can. But I, I just uh, – whatever music makes you move, is, I think, is a good thing for everybody. And you guys probably bring some people to the dance floor with your we gigs, do. right? Because you're playing stuff that people you know, want to yeah. hear, love to hear, like these songs. Yeah. They kind of fit into their world. We want we want to push towards Motown lately. We we notice that people love to dance to Motown, so we're going to try to put a couple medleys of those together. So, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, have you seen much live music over your life? Oh my heavens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any peak? Well, you know, we were moments? talking about the the la- my last night as a teenager. I turned twenty the next day. I got to see Bruce Springsteen in my hometown. So that was back in the day when he was on cover of Newsweek and Time that that whole Born to Run time, and that was special. Yeah, I've seen Yes a bunch of times and Little Feet a bunch of times. And, yeah. When was and the last I, time you saw a show? Oh, I went and saw – where was it? I got to see Toto here locally. They put on a heck of a show. Oh, yeah. Live. They yeah. came to Barbara B. Yeah, they it? did. Yeah. They played um, Africa? They did. Or whatever. They, they, had, they had the crowd sing <laughs> in Africa. Called? They didn't have to sing it. They had the crowd sing it. That's what I love about when songs become so popular. We, we already know the lyrics. They let us take over. That's great. Oh, they were terrific. And that must be a great place to see. I love that venue, especially for that. You know, it's one thing to see the symphony there or mm-hmm. to see a play there. Right. But to see a musician up there with that great, the sound and everything, yeah. it's so cool. Damn, we're sound. lucky to have that place. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. You ever travel uh, specifically to see music? Oh, and sure. If so, what's the furthest? Oh, my heavens. Well, I've gone, you know, I'm not too far. I usually go to St. Peter or someplace you to like go see. You have like flew to New Zealand or something. No, I haven't <laughs> gone. I, I got to see the Stones up in Orlando not too long ago. That was fun. Yeah. So, um, no, not, not – I'd love to get the Red Rocks. That's uh, that's a bucket list. I was on a big – my big crazy road trip back in the late 90s where I kind of left the world behind for three months. I came through Colorado and mm. it was just like a Wednesday 
and I parked at Red Rocks. And you could just walk right in. Yes, and I walked can. right up and I just stood right on the stage. And then I walked all the way up the stairs and then I stood oh, right at the top. gosh. And then I walked back and got in my little Bronco too and just hit the road. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and I know the Beatles played there. Yeah. Oh, you know, I know. a little museum in there that shows the list of all the bands that have ever been there. And it's uh, quite a place. I mean, I yet to see a concert and I will. That's, but I did what you did. I just parked and walked. Oh, so and, you've been there just yeah, so, okay, well, just we've had say, that same hey. experience. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Yeah, it was in the middle of winter. I went skiing and stopped there. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was in the spring for me and it was just – it was surprisingly open. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, Do you know that was a CCC camp project? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The that, you know, government put that together that, for us. That, you know, that doesn't surprise yeah. me, actually. That's pretty yeah, cool. That's my little thing I learned today. Yeah, that's a, that's a natural, but it is also they, you know, make that happen to make it more of an amphitheric kind of uh, setting for everybody. Hmm. But what a place. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, time for song number two. Sure. Tell us what it is. Well, it's uh, Mr. Blue Sky. And it, to me, is kind of a culmination of the 70s coming together with the Beatles being the background for all of it. The Beatles taught so many bands different feelings and, and formulas, I think, for their own music. This has everything that I love in it because it's got a choir in it. You know, it's got unbelievable harmonies and it's got a lot of um, a day in the life, uh, a song by the Beatles that you'll recognize some of the special effects and stuff in it that... Uh, but it's Electric Light Orchestra's uh, Mr. Blue Sky. Now, I ski to this. I work out to this. But today, being a Mr. Blue Sky day, I just thought of this song. Oh, my gosh, I get to see or hear it when I'm in the studio with Mike. But for if it's a Blue Sky day out there for you guys, the, this is a song you want to play. Oh, yeah, and it is today. Well, this is maybe our yeah. last Blue Sky day of the season, <laughs> if be. you know what I mean. It's yeah. like 70 degrees outside at 1230, and, and it's crystal clear, and uh, that's channel a little bit of that. But this has got a lot of different things in it, but I want you to listen for the Beatles in this song and uh, listen for the chorus and the filtered vocals. There's a lot of special effects. Jeff Lynne did a masterful job putting this together. All right, let's listen to it. This is Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. That's ELO, right? Yes, it is. Yes, from their 1977 album, Out of the Blue. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that. Seriously. You could have told me it was a Lost Beatles track, no, no and I, would have, I wouldn't have yeah. tried to talk, talk you down. Yeah. Now, Mike, I know that one of your favorite movies is Eternal uh, Sunshine. It is. And that's in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I have to go back and listen to it. It's in now. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. It's I mean, I knew I kind of like, it felt like something I knew, it's but I couldn't version. sing along or hum along or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. that's... that's uh, I it's a kind it. of an anthem for the 70s in a sense because, you know, it just culminates with everything, chorus, orchestra, you know, just the cellos. The, the video is cool too just to watch. Yeah, know. yeah. Who uses cellos in a rock band, you know? You know what's fun is um, the percussive, that cowbell sound in that thing. Yes. That's a fire extinguisher that they that they hit. Oh, really? Is that right? Look yeah. at Richard with the ELO yeah. trivia. Yeah, they do, it, well, they, they do it live so you can see them hitting – the the fire extinguisher that's cool you know and this makes it sound like in the day of the life uh, with Beatles is yeah got up got out of bed oh yeah dragged the a comb there. across my head and that that song is right in this song you know pretty cool it came out in seventy seven mm. if I'm doing the math right you would right. have been about twenty yeah where were you at the time and did you pick up on that song immediately college dorm yeah doing my art projects I put on ELL every day and just you know. 
got through a lot of my uh, – take three, four, five hours sometimes to do a project. So I just stack the albums and put them on. Hmm. Yeah. And you said you listened to it while you were skiing? Yeah. It must have come a little later because you probably didn't have the ability to portably listen to music no. skiing in 1977, no, right. right? No, I would go out west. <laughs> I was west. trying to imagine how that worked. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a, uh, a back bowl uh, area veiled called uh, – the blue sky area. So I, I love to ski out there and I look at that sign and go, all right, put that song on. Here we go. Awesome. So, yeah. Do you ever see them live? Uh, no. I, that's one regret. That's one of those bands I never did. Didn't get around to seeing them. So, hmm. but anyways. Um, uh, you sing uh, when you're in the car by yourself? I do. Yeah? Yeah. you have any favorite songs that you like to sing? Oh, well, um, I love singing Willin. I do that a little bit of um, when we play out, out on Sanibel and do the uh, open mic nights and stuff. But uh, yeah, hmm. it's uh, I love harmonies. So yeah, you yeah. know where I can fill a hole in a harmony harmony set. You know, somebody's doing a lead, I'll always be either underneath or on top, singing the the higher part. But uh, and I think my ability to do harmonies comes from listening to the Beatles because they did such great harmonies over the years. So just hearing it at a young age and knowing how to do it. You know, it just comes, thank goodness, comes naturally to me, and I've just been lucky enough to be able to do it with other people, too. You, you know, know who's a huge fan of harmony and music is mm. Dr. Mike Martin, FGCU Ooh, president. Really? We talked a lot. The, his whole episode weaves back and forth ah. through his love of harmony. Oh, good. You have to go back good. and listen to I'll it. I'll listen to that one, yeah. Um, uh, do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory? And if so, can you oh, sing them goodness. and or play them on the harmonica? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much that, but you know, we could, growing up as a kid, we had all the jingles from the commercials and stuff. You know, uh, the Nestle's commercials, the Coke commercials, even you know, Noxema for goodness' sakes. I mean, we had some good stuff growing up, and then uh, oh, TV shows. I mean, the Beverly Hillbillies, and you know, well, let's hear a little something. Come well, on, you got something in there, oh, singer? I don't know. I could I could sing a little Willin for you if you want. Okay, yeah. let's hear it. All right, well, let me let me get my harmonica real quick here. Get the right key. I'll give you a little intro on a harmonica. I've been whooped by the rain, driven by the snow. I've been drunk and dirty. Don't you know I'm still, I'm still willing. I've been on a road late last night. I see my pretty Alice in every headlight. Alice, Dallas, Alice. I've been from Tucson to Tudum Carey, to Hachapi to Tonopah, driven every kind of rig that's ever been made, driven on the back road so I wouldn't get weighed. And if you give me weed, whites, and wine, then you show me a sign, and I've been willing to be moving. little something for you there. Oh, that was delightful, Doug McGregor. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Uh, in your band, are you are you the lead singer? Is there a lead singer? You say you like to harmonize, so I didn't know if there was somebody else who you nestle up to, or how's well, that work? Well, yeah, we have everybody in our band sings. That's what I love about us, because we, we make sure everybody gets a chance to sing two or three. 
So George McMahon is our drummer. He's he's a great singer. We got uh, Gussie Centrone. He sings a bunch of songs. Bill Rogers. Bill sings. Bill sings. I got to know Bill oh, a little bit a while back. Yeah, I like that guy. Shout out to Bill. He writes great <laughs> Hi, songs too. Yeah, because uh, my goodness, and he can harmonize really well too. Mm. Tracy Baggins plays flute for us, and Lewis Kaplan plays a lead and acoustic guitar, and they all sing great. So I'm blessed. I mean, they all and they all do well. Working together, and we do seven bridges by the Eagles too. Oh, so I gotta get do, in on that. Yeah. I gotta come see you guys. Oh, I gotta come yeah. hang out one of these days. I know I've said good. that for years. Yeah, but, no, you, know, you need I'm to. I'm such a hermit. I don't. I, I don't do anything <laughs> with anybody. I feel kind of like I need to get back on that horse. Maybe you guys can well, lead concept, the way. This three songs concept has got legs. I love to hear this. Well, yeah, yeah. it's still it's just, just me great. hiding in a room oh. with a person. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll take it on the road, man. Oh well, you know, we did on Monday night. This this past Monday, we did a live show at Nice Guys Pizza and. Cape Coral, a stage oh, show. Me cool. and the guy that runs their trivia night in front of an audience well, with, that's, with beer. That's yeah. pretty cool. That'll come out in like a month. Excellent. Um, and we're uh, going back. Yeah, and we're going back. It's going to oh, be our good. new home base here locally. Um, favorite mu- movie musical or Broadway musical? Are those things that you've wow. you've paid up, you know, kept up with over music? Well, I'm just so glad that you know Queen did so well re- resurging their music in Bohemian Rhapsody uh-huh. because. The 70s needed an anthem and they gave it to them. And, uh, and people are really starting to rediscover and or hear them for the first time. Yeah, that I, is just brilliant music. That, there was a moment during that, that Mr. Blue Sky where I was mm. kind of feeling a little like um, Night at the Opera, that album, where yes. they did you know, there was some of that stuff. I think it came out about that same year. So yeah. they were probably all in that same thing. Um, uh, what about um, movie soundtrack, movies that have music in them? Oh, gosh. I didn't give that much thought, but I, I I know there's just every music, every movie has a soundtrack to it. I, I love it all. I can tell you, I, I love every bit of kind of music, and I'm warming up to rap and I'm warming up to country, but yeah, as you know, 60s and 70s are my favorites. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite band? Oh. That's that question. Well, that, yeah, Little Feet would have to be my favorite band because they. They have so many different kinds of genres in them. Um, Cajun, they've got Southern rock, they've got a little bit of jazz, and they've got uh, their own sound. And it comes like if you're taking a trip from New Orleans to Memphis and they're all the way up to Chicago, somewhere all in there is Little Feet, you know. And I know that uh, uh, they've, when Lowell George passed, they still kept going and they still put great music together. I think they were up in Clearwater not too long ago. With the, what's remaining of the band is two or three guys. Yeah. yeah. How many times have you seen them? You said you've Ooh. seen them more than a couple. Six or seven, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get to meet any of them? Uh, no, I haven't. But uh, they played at the old place called Ricochets down here. Um, gosh. Yeah. When, it's yeah. My, it's my gym now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how architecture changes its shape and form around here? But yeah. But yeah, I'd say uh, this song that we're going to listen to, our third song, is, is "Let It Roll." Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's. Do you yeah. want to listen to it? Do you want to talk about it? How, um, how do you want to play this? I just think you know, there's so many favorites of mine. This one gets you going because it's 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 just it moves and uh, it's good to work out with. It's good to have it in the car when you're driving down the road. Obviously, it's called "Let It Roll," so it's about kind of moving down the road with a fast car or a truck or whatever you're driving, you know, so this is it. That's and this it. came out in 88, so that would yeah. have been around the time you moved to Fort Myers, right? It would have been, yeah. Now, Little Feet's been around for a long, long time right. in all different forms, but... Uh, and you were already a fan of theirs long before this album came yeah, out? So yeah. So what is it about this song that made it to the to the three? Oh, 
it's just the way it moves. You'll hear it. You go, oh, yeah, tapping my foot to it or I'm dancing to it or I'm driving my car about 10, 15 miles faster than I should be. <laughs> uh, what kind of car would you have been driving in 1988? Uh, We're trying to paint a radio oh picture my heavens, here. Channel, yeah. channel your, oh your, my heavens, your, yeah. your first Fort Myers car. Probably an old my old Mustang that I had that I still you know love to talk about and hear. Is know. that one of those 80s Mustangs? Mm, uh, one yeah. of those like 5.0s? Yeah, you know, right. Those mean ones? Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what car you're talking about. Okay, well, let's listen to it. This is uh, Let It Roll by Little Feet from their 1988 album of the same name. I'm going to assume you guys play that one. That's one you can't play. It's too good. Really? Yeah. Seriously? That's tough. That's tough. You got, yeah. You Sorry. Got, I was going to ask you. I thought, no, I'm just going to go straight for assuming. <laughs> no, well, you know, that song you do the tighten up, that would take about three weeks to tighten that up and make it even presentable. But that's uh, that's a tough song. But that's why I love Little Feet. They're just so yeah. good, tight, you know, just love having fun up there. Do you play some of their songs? Are they, we, do they have some others that are within reach? Yeah, well, we do well because it's so simple and, ballad, you know, it's a ballad. We've done, try to do Fat Man in the Bathtub. We've worked on that and a few others. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's a it's a band that's hard to reproduce because they're so unique and they're so different. And it's the little feet beat. I mean, our drummer can do that, but try to get the rest of the band to get in that sync. It's a it's a lot of syncopation. Interesting, interesting things that you wouldn't know if you weren't in it. How do you guys decide to add music? Like, you know, what do you – do you like you – know, if somebody brings a song, says, oh, we should learn this. And then when you hang out on Wednesdays or whatever, you start to peck away at a new song. Like, how often does that happen and how does it work? Try to get a, a one or two a week. You know, we bring it here during the week and say, you know, now that we have Tracy playing flute for us, we've been really trying to get into uh, Marshall Tucker, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Rotal. Oh, cool. So she's done even Born to Wander by Rare Earth for us and does a great job, lick for lick, on, on the flute. So we're real pleased with her. Uh, leading us in that. Do you guys so. have like a like a big document that these are the songs that we can play? Is yeah. It, is it that piece of paper in front of you? <laughs> yeah. I just brought a little bit of the song list just a, you know, real quick. But we'll do, you know, like Amy, Doctor My Eyes, Listen to the Music, New Sugar Tonight. I love that because that's guess, guess Who and, you know, it's something different that no one else does. We do Steely Dan, like look, Ricky Don't Lose That Number. Oh, cool. Squeeze Box by The Who. So it, it's a it's a gamut. I think we I think we counted once. We doing something like seventy different bands, you know, with all almost like one hit wonders all the way through some of the genres of the sixties wow. and seventies. So we like a song. You even do Tempted by Squeeze, which is really interesting. Do you do anything to, contemporary? Like somebody brings um, something to the table that's new and you're like, Oh, yeah. let's try that. Well, relatively new. I I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're yeah. You're, ta- you're like this one's pretty new. It's only 18 it's, years old. Right. <laughs> it's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're in a time warp. But, no, that's uh, that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, so, is there a um, when you were narrowing your song list down? Was mm. there a was there a fourth or a fifth that you had to get rid of? Oh yeah, reeling in the years. I love by Steely Dan. That you know, what I love about Steely Dan is you can listen to them now. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know what year it was written. Yeah, yeah. They're so progressive and sophisticated in their music that what a band – it was a studio band that just 
I think it's timeless. I don't know. I've, I've, people love you have that in common with Dr. Mike Martin as Whoa. well. That's oh, really? One of his songs. Okay. Actually, now that I think about it, one of his songs was driving cross country, listening to Steely Dan with his dog in his Mustang. Mm. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Steely Dan. Grow up with them too, as well. The early Steely Dan, particularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you recommend any bands that um, our listeners might not be familiar with that you guys that you're into musically? Something that's oh. you know one of those hidden gems. Oh, trying gems. to trying wow, to propagate. Wow, I think about that one. That's that's a tough one. I, you know, uh, bands that you wouldn't hear normally. Um, wow, you got me. You yeah, maybe me. not. You know, yeah. that's okay. That's no, okay. it's it's. Um, what you need to do is just go listen to the new stuff and and go. Wow, now they're carrying another genre together with old and new. I, that's what I love as a band who appreciates the oldies. Yeah, you know, sixties. It can make it more contemporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, best album of all time. Oof! Wow. Um, well, Little Feet's "Waiting for Columbus" live album. I love that. Um, I'd say Beatles, um, either Revolver album or. Probably their uh, Sgt. Pepper. Album you've yeah. maybe listened to the most in your life. Oh, wow. Any of the Beatles albums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I listened to I wore the grooves out on almost everything. You know, it was funny. I could tell you real quick, my uncle, Uncle Don Evans, he's passed. He was plant manager at the Scranton plant that made Capitol Records for the Beatles. Hmm. So – not being such a smart, bright little kid, I should have said, Uncle Don, give me two of the same ones. One yeah. I can put away. And exactly. Keep it in the yeah. vinyl. Keep it in the plastic. And then one I can play the heck out of it. So, um, yeah. But I was blessed to have an uncle actually made Beatles. So. Really? And I have a Beatle um, autograph. Thank goodness to my uncle. Wow. Well, he probably had all kinds of like yeah. not quite right ones, which yeah. would have been worth a million dollars. Well, yeah. And he skips and pops at the beginning that they couldn't use, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or something yeah, just mis- mispressed somehow right. or whatever. Um, uh, what would your 15-year-old self starting mm. to get into art think of your today self if you mm. could have looked forward in time from back then? Well, that's a great question. I would say, you know, just try new new things. I was always drawing and using oils, but to try new mediums. Anybody's out there that wants to be an artist now that wants to go to college for it or something, they're stuck in little anime. They love that. But no, try try to draw, try to stretch, try to make sure you draw something you've never drawn before. Try a medium you never used before and try to be a real artist uh, that grows quickly, quicker than later in your 30s and 40s. Do it now. Hmm. You know, Try something new. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you you do make all kinds of art these days that aren't just cartoons. Yeah, that, that, that is true. <laughs> yeah, we celebrated uh, the Mexican Halloween, and and I had to get us some skulls out, and not real skulls, but skulls you'd buy at the thrift store, and, and color them, and put flowers on them, and that was a stretch for me. I'd never done anything like that. Some, <laughs> some of the macabre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, who would you like to sit in with if mm. you could sit in with anybody? For musicians. For musicians. Wow. Uh, love to sit in. With Little the, Feet? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, any of the Little Feet stuff. Um, I'd have to say um, Paul McCartney. Ah, love okay. to be a fly on the wall just to hear him talk about old stories. And yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, they, they were just brilliant, the way they could write a song so quickly on the back of a napkin because they needed it, because Capital might have been pushing them, or EMI was pushing them to get something done by a certain day, and they 
They didn't have much time, and they were touring all the time. So, yeah. Paul. Do you, you, you ever see the Beatles? Uh, no. Do you ever see Paul McCartney? I see, saw see, Paul McCartney. So you have seen a Beatle. Thank, yeah. <laughs> I saw Ringo to do his all-star band. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, last question. Are there yeah. any songs you will avoid listening oh. to for whatever reason? No. I can't say that. There's, music is universal. You know, it touches everybody in different ways. You know, I start saying I don't like this particular kind. I have to appreciate the fact that somebody will. You know, as long as it doesn't denigrate, doesn't hurt, doesn't demean anybody. It's uh, music is supposed to be there to heal people, and I use it every day at work as much as I can. And we all do it in our own way. It helps memory. It helps uh, helps with depression or whatever people are going through. It helps with um, you know just the healing process. The organs themselves will heal better if you mm. listen to music. I even heard babies in the neonatal uh, they love to hear music, even, even as a developing you know. Up to the one one years old in the, mm. in the in the woman's womb, even you know we mm-hmm. know about the Mozart effect and all that. Hmm. Yeah. So well, it's, we're lucky we get to play with it here on this show. Huh? Yes, thank you, Mike, for yeah. bringing it to our community and worldwide, actually, because three songs go to three million songs real quick. Oh, well, yeah. we're, we're working on it. Thank yeah. you, Doug. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank uh, you. And, and we are. I'm going to come hang out with you guys. Oh, do definitely do that. Yeah, we want to have you there. All right, bye, right, bye. We make this show in the WGCU studios on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm going back to what would have been the summer of 1988. I was in North Carolina with my Methodist youth group. We were at Camp Junaleska for the week. It was good times with close friends, many of whom are still my best friends to this day. There was an end of camp tradition when everyone would walk up to this big cross on a hill that overlooked the camp and the lake it sat next to. One of my buddies, named Jeremy, was an amazing singer, and I do mean amazing. He could sing just about anything, and later in life almost wound up as Steve Perry replacement in Journey. You can Google that if you don't believe me. Anyway, he was also bold and willing to stick out his neck, which in this case meant getting up next to the cross and singing this song a cappella, with hundreds of Methodist youth group kids and their leaders listening on with rapt attention. This really is one of those cases where a song's meaning can be transformed through context and the moment it's in. Imagine a 17-year-old scrawny kid just belting out Father Figure by George Michael from his recently released album Faith that had taken over the world. I bet I'm far from the only one who still remembers that moment. It really was something. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I am sitting in the passenger seat like there is a boy taking off his shirt. <laughs> and so <laughs> I already know you're going to use this line. <laughs> like, I know. Oh, man. So, That's yeah. the promo. <laughs> 100%. Oh, God. <laughs> this is still the promo. 